Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our current self-titled series, we're looking at what it means to answer the call to be a disciple maker of disciple makers. Today's speaker is student minister Aaron Adams. I want to I share a story with you, um, and, and I know you can relate to this. Um, this week, it has kind of felt like spring has actually arrived, uh, almost felt like summer uh, a little bit this week, and it's kind of like a month late a little bit. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's that time of year where some of my favorite things begin to happen, whether that's sports or it's working in the yard or going on a hike. But one of the things that also uh, begins to happen around this time of year is the golf courses. They begin to green up and the, the guys and gals that enjoy golf um, begin to, to get out their, their clubs. And see, I consider myself an athletic person. I don't consider myself a golfer <laughs> at all. See, golf uh, is a, a technical sport. You have to do a lot of little things well, um, and it also requires patience, and I don't feel like I'm a very patient person. Um, but recently, one of our, our seniors, Jacob Wells, um, seniors in high school, he, he invited me and one of our other leaders uh, about a month ago on one of the then unseasonably uh, warm days. There's a picture of Jacob He's on the golf team. Um, Here's what you need to know about Jacob. That is a really good dude right there, and he can golf well. But about a month ago on one of the warm, unseasonably days, Jacob comes to me, and he says, hey, tomorrow, let's golf. It's going to be fun. And I'm just thinking to myself, uh, I don't don't really, I don't golf. Uh, See, the last time I went golfing was five, six, maybe seven years ago. And I teed off hole number one, and I hit it hard, and it went not straight. Uh, it hit a huge tree, and it bounced all the way back to me. And at that moment, that is a true, it is a true story. And at that moment, I said, golf, this is where you and I break up. Like, this, this is over. But Jacob comes to me because he enjoys golf and says, hey, tomorrow, let's go golf. And I'm like, ah, Jacob, you, you don't. You don't get it. I don't, I don't golf. But okay, I'll go. And so I, I go home and I dig out my clubs. It took me forever to find them. <laughs> and we go. And we go golfing. And I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. We're just playing a par three. And I'm nervous. And I'm like, well, I don't even know what to wear. Like, Jacob, are they going to kick me off if I just wear jeans and like a, like a hoodie? And he's like, no, no, you're good, you're good. And I'm like, Okay. So we get there, and I pull out my clubs, and I'm like, Jacob, which club am I supposed to use? <laughs> like, I don't, even, I don't even know. I don't even know. And so I get up there, and I take a few practice swings behind everybody, hoping nobody can see me. And now it's my turn to take my first swing in five or six or seven years. Remember, golf and I don't have a good history. And I get up there, and don't judge my, my, my form here, but I get up there, and I take my first swing, and I make contact <laughs> But I, the whole time, I'm, there's like cars over here, the road's like here, people are here, and I'm just like, I got to try and keep this thing on the course. And I hit it, and it kind of did one of these things, like off the ground, and I was like, when? Nobody's dead over there. Everybody is okay over here. And I turned around, and I said, Jacob, what did I do wrong? And Jacob was like, uh, he could have said, you did a whole lot of things wrong. Uh, but he was, he, did, he was kind, and he said, just keep your head down. Keep your eye on the ball. You'll get it. 
And, and believe it or not, as the day went by, I began to have a whole lot of fun. I began hitting the ball better. My short game was terrible. But I began to have fun with two of my friends. And I, I tell you this story because, believe it or not, the, like the next weekend, I found myself sitting on the couch watching the Masters and actually liking it. And I was like, what, is, what has happened to me? Um, but Jacob did not have an agenda when he invited me to go golf. At least it wasn't apparent to me. Jacob didn't expect me to golf well after five or six years without playing. And he didn't expect to make me into a good golfer in that moment. Jacob just wanted to be with me. And because Jacob just wanted to be with me, he just wanted to have fun doing something that he enjoyed, he taught me a little something about Jesus through playing a game of golf. So I want to I share that with you because Jesus had this knack for just being with people. Jesus had this knack for just hanging out with people. And sometimes, believe it or not, Jesus hung out with people without an apparent agenda. Jesus was good at hanging out with people to get to know people. He was good at hanging out with people to understand what mattered to them. And when Jesus hung out with people, when he valued people by the way he valued people, it would then open them up to matters of faith. And so I want to read a, a story to you. It happens in Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. And I want to just read this to you. It says this. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with them and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So the scene is set. Jesus is once again on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and crowds are beginning to follow him. The popularity of Jesus is on the rise. And so wherever Jesus was, it was fairly common that a large crowd would be gathering. And so this is, this is the same things happening. Like there's, there's no difference here. And so Jesus is there. The crowds are gathering. And he uses this as an opportunity to teach. And so Jesus is walking and teaching. That would have been common. So Jesus is walking and talking. He's walking and teaching. And those that wanted to follow him, those that wanted to hear him, are walking alongside him and they are listening to him. And Jesus comes to this tax collector's booth who we're told is Levi. We also know him as Matthew. It was common for people to be given two first names at birth. So Jesus comes to this tax collector's booth. And tax collectors in this culture, as you may know, they were despised. They worked for the Romans, and Jews and Romans didn't get along. And so Jesus is walking and teaching, and he stops at the booth of a tax collector. And so those that are following him are kind of like, what's going on here? What's the deal with this? 
And see, while these tax collectors are despised, people, people hated them because they worked for Rome, but they also were known for extorting money, taking a little extra than what was actually owed to the government. So if you were a hardworking Jewish person, you hated going to a tax collector who you knew was going to take more of your money than what was actually needed to give back to the government. And so whether Levi was one of these people, we don't actually know. But surely he was lumped in with the rest of the bad apples. And so Levi is at his tax collecting booth, surely to uh, collect taxes on an imported fish out of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus stops and he issues a simple statement, a simple challenge. Follow me. See, there's a lot at stake for Levi here. Because while tax collectors were despised, their jobs were highly sought after. Because if Levi were to actually get up and follow Jesus, if he was actually to get up and leave his position, leave his job, his job would have been filled like that. Because being a tax collector was looked at as a way to get rich quick. And so this is quite the statement. It seems simple, follow me. But there's a lot at stake for Levi. There would be big life change if he were to follow Jesus and give up his job. But that is what he does. He gets up and he follows Jesus. He joins the rest of the crowd. And so then we're brought to this scene where Levi is in his house with Jesus having dinner. And at this dinner are other tax collectors and other sinners. These are people who have been socially and religiously outcast. They aren't good enough to be fully accepted into the synagogue or the temple. They would have been talked about in a derogatory sort of sense by the religious elite of the time. Yet here is Jesus sitting at a table with tax collectors and sinners having dinner. And having dinner in this culture this was an honor. And so this would, have been, this would have been weird to see a rabbi, a teacher of Jesus' stature, eating with, sharing the same table, sharing the same food with these tax collectors and these sinners. See, in this culture, people weren't disengaged on their phones at the dinner table. They weren't spread out. They were close. They were literally reclining on one another. They were touching, they were leaning on one another as they ate a meal. And to see Jesus doing this was troubling to many. But who also, who also was, was at this, this meal? The Pharisees were there, or at least their scribes were there. And it was troubling enough to them to see Jesus, this teacher, who they're a little bit unsure about, sharing and reclining with these tax collectors and these sinners who they have outcast. And so they, they ask a question. Not to Jesus. But they ask a question to his disciples. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And so Jesus is at the table. He is conversing with. He is eating with. He is reclining with these people. And these Pharisees, these people... Ask his disciples a question, and Jesus hears this, and he responds. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. 
by eating with these people, Jesus was inviting these people to belong. These were people that were so used to not being invited to anything, to not belonging to anything that had importance in this society. And Jesus is eating with them. He's reclining with them. He's talking with them. He is inviting them to belong. Jesus was with and for these people. Jesus was for the lost. Jesus was for the broken. Jesus was for those that knew they were in need of a Savior. This is why people flocked to Jesus. This is why for so many Jesus was irresistible because the lens of Jesus was different than the lens of society. This story is recorded in three Gospels. Matthew, Mark, which we just read, and Luke. And each of those tells the same story, but each of them adds a little bit different flavor. Each of them adds a little bit different detail. And so I want to share those insights with you. In Matthew chapter 9, verses 12 and 13, um, the same story is played out. Jesus is walking and teaching. People are following him. He stops at Levi's booth, tells him, follow me. Levi does get up and follow Jesus. They share the same meal at Levi's house. Other tax collectors and sinners are present. This is still troubling to the Pharisees. So they ask the same question to his disciples. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? The difference here is Jesus' response. It says, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The Pharisees were examples in so many different ways. They read their scripture They knew the law and the prophets, and they lived it out. And if you weren't living it out, they would let you know. The issue with the Pharisees was how they loved and treated their neighbors. And so Jesus is telling the guys who were known for going and learning to go and learn. The guy, Jesus is telling the guys who were known for studying, who were known for knowing the law, go and learn. So this is a big punch in the gut for the Pharisees. Go and learn. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Mercy, not sacrifice. The Hebrew word for mercy is very close to faithful love. I desire faithful love over ritual animal sacrifice. Faithful love trumps sacrifice. In Luke, we have the same story play out. Jesus is walking and teaching. The crowd is gathered. They are following him. He stops at Levi's booth, asks Levi to follow him, and Levi does. And this is what it says. Here's the difference. Verse 28. And Levi got up 
left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. So we get the the picture that this is not your average Wednesday night dinner. It says that Levi held a banquet. And while Levi is a tax collector, he still had friends, other tax collectors and sinners, which would have meant harlots and prostitutes, your town drunk, homeless, disabled, like all of these people. Levi is holding a banquet with in the presence of Jesus. I have to imagine that Levi had his best dinner wear out, that Levi had a good meal prepared, that Levi had the best wine brought in. And they are there in the presence of Jesus, this leader, this rabbi, this teacher. And they are being invited to belong in a great manner. Levi has just thrown a party For these people that have been outcast, for these people that have been told, you're not good enough to be involved with the synagogue and the temple. Yet Jesus is there eating with them at this party. He's dining with them. He's laughing with them. He's talking with them. And we don't know too much of what the conversation looked like. All we know is what the Pharisees had issue with, what they asked the disciples, and we know Jesus' response back. But I bet there had to be so much conversation happening at that dinner table. <laughs> I mean, so much laughter. Was all of that conversation faith-based? Maybe. Maybe those followers, maybe those people Jesus was dining with and eating with, maybe they were asking religious questions. Maybe they were asking Jesus what he was really about. Maybe they were asking Jesus what really mattered. And I bet Jesus would have responded. But maybe they were just sharing each other's company and laughing with one another. And you have this, this room filled with tax collectors and sinners invited to the same party with Jesus, and the Pharisees are still there. They are invited to the party too. Now, they may not have been dining with, they may not have been sitting at the same table, but they were there. I was at a a conference a few years back with our high school students. It's called Big Stuff. Some of you might be familiar with that, and so we traveled down to Florida. It's a huge conference. They do it all summer. Um, And there's thousands of high school students there. Um, And each morning there was a session designed just for for us as leaders. Um, It was a moment for them to encourage us. It was a moment for the Big Stuff team uh, to to try and pour into us, to hand us a cup of coffee because they know we were tired and we didn't sleep the night before. But when you have a, a conference full of thousands of high school students but you just have the leaders in one room, it feels quite small. And so Reggie Joyner, one of my uh, favorite pastors and communicators, he was there leading us, our leaders that week. And he posed a question uh, to the room, to us, to me. And it's a question I have not forgotten since, and it's a question I want to pose to you. And the question is, what if we acted like like everybody is invited to the party? 
what if we acted like everybody was invited to the party? So in our context, we have thousands of high school students in the room right next to us. What if as leaders we did a good job this week letting each of those students know that they matter and that we are for them and that they are invited to the party that the creator of the universe is hosting? And what if we could teach our students to let their friends know, to let their families know that everyone is invited to the party? And so I look at the story of Levi this tax collector, invited by Jesus, who throws a banquet, a party, invites his other tax collector friends, other sinners. And Jesus is there and he's acting like everybody was invited to the party because they are. Like that's the beautiful part of this story. Jesus understood this and he utilized this. And it started a fire that began to change the world. See, people saw a blind man, but Jesus saw somebody that could be used for the glory of God because he knew he was invited to the party. People saw a prostitute, but Jesus saw somebody that was a leader because he knew she was invited to the party. People saw enemies, tax collectors, but Jesus saw neighbors because he knew they were invited to the party. Everybody saw a zealous Pharisee, but God saw a missionary for the kingdom because he knew they were invited to the party. What if we too acted like everybody was invited to the party? What could that change? What could that change about me? What could that change in my heart? What could that change for you? What could that change for our world? What could that change of the world's perception of the church and Christians if we did a good job letting everybody know that they were invited to the party? Like this gets me excited thinking about that. I have a, I have a joke uh, with my family. I thought I'd never share this, but I'm going to share it this morning. I have a joke with my family, and it really is just a joke, I promise. But, the, but what I say is, I love people, but I don't like people. <laughs> I, I love people because I know I should, right? I love people because my mom told me I need to love people. I, I love people because um, Jesus tells me I need to love people. I love people, but I don't like people. Because let's be honest, people are weird, right? <laughs> like, like, let's be honest, there are, there are people that I come across And I'm like, I don't know what planet you are from. I am not from there. And that is okay. There are people that I disagree with. There are people that I don't see eye to eye with. And that's okay. I don't think you have to agree with everybody. There are people that annoy me. And I know you have those people too. And that is okay. But the beautiful truth is that all of those people have been invited to the party that the creator of the universe is hosting. I mean, just, just envision this for a moment. One day, there's going to be a ginormous, glorious party up in heaven. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be unimaginable. 
I can't even begin to comprehend what that's going to look like. But at that party are going to be people from every race, from every nationality, from every tongue, every language. There's going to be people from different political parties and viewpoints and agendas. There's going to be people that are extroverts and introverts. There's going to, there's going to be people that have different worship styles than I do. There are going to be people that have different preaching styles than I do. But it's going to be beautiful. What if we start, started acting like the party has already started? Like this, this morning, like what if we acted like the party has already started this morning? What could that, what could that change? Jesus acted like the party had already started because he knew it already had. And it began to change the world. Just think what it did for those tax collectors and those sinners to dine with and eat with Jesus. Think of what it did for their heart. Now, I don't know the data. I don't know the facts on how many of them followed Jesus and were saved in that moment. I don't know that. But I know that Jesus at least invited them in that moment. And man, what it did for them what it did for them. I want to show you a, a picture. It's a, a picture painted by Hannah Crosby. And you can see there's a bunch of chairs around a table. And there are chairs that you could say are wooden chairs. There are chairs that you would say, those are probably metal chairs or plastic chairs or they're a combination of both. There are chairs that you would say, those are elegant chairs. And there are chairs that you would say are basic chairs. But they all have something in common. They're all around the same table. And that table is the kingdom of God. God has moved towards me in grace and he's pulled out my chair and said, take a seat, I'm glad you're here. There will be times that I need to be reminded of that. Because my own fears and doubts and anxieties and lies fill my head. And I will need you to remind me, Aaron, you are still invited to the party. And maybe you are here this morning and you needed to be told for the very first time that you're invited to the party. Or maybe you're here this morning and you just needed to be reminded of the fact that God still wants you at his party. That he wants you seated at his table. He wants to eat with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to recline with you. He wants to laugh with you. He wants to know what matters to you. He wants to know what brings sorrow to you. This is hard, though. This is hard for me. Because it is much easier for me to stay in my own holy huddle with people that make me comfortable, with people that are my friends, with people that I know are safe, with people that I, I know will hear me, with people that I know have the same viewpoints as I do. This is hard. It is hard to branch out of my comfort zone and invite people to the table, to invite people to the party that are different than I. It is hard to go to people that I feel like I don't have anything in common with. But here's the thing, here's the beautiful truth, I do have something in common with them. We're invited to the same party. We're invited to the same table. 
They just might not know it yet. There are people in our families. There are people in our communities. There might even be people in this room that have never been invited before. They just need it. They just need to know that they matter to us. They just need to know that we are with them and that we are for them. They just need to know that they are invited to the party. They need us to pull the chair out for them and say, I'm glad you're here. And so you might be wondering, okay, what does this look like for me? What am I supposed to do with this? Am I supposed to hold a party with my neighbors? Maybe that's exactly what you need to do. That's actually probably what I need to do. So that I can just be with them and for them without an agenda. If our conversations, if me loving them and talking with them and eating with them leads to conversations of faith, awesome. But the start is just inviting them to the party. Or maybe, maybe what I need to do, and maybe, maybe, maybe this is you too, maybe it's more simple. Maybe it's that my, my words and my actions portray the truth that everybody is invited to the party. Maybe it's waking up in the morning, thinking through, how can I invite somebody to the party this morning? How can I pull out a chair for somebody? Whether it's in my own family, or it's here, or it's at the grocery store, what could it change if we started acting like everybody was invited to the same party? Let's pray. God, I, I, thank, I thank you that you have moved towards me in grace. And you have pulled out my chair at the table and said, I'm glad you are here. I pray I can just do that for others. I pray that the people in this room, they leave this morning encouraged to just invite others to the same party. God, I pray that the church, that Christians can lead the way in this world, that we can change our perception by just acting like everyone is invited to the party. And God, I know that when we do that, when we extend a simple invitation to others, God, you're gonna work in amazing ways. God, we love you and we praise you. It's your name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.